Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Alicia Shanice Reviews. I am your host, it's your girl Shanice, coming back at you with another podcast. We are on episode 254, and today's topic is the new docuseries, Dear Mama, the Sega of Afini and Tupac Shakur. So y'all already know how we do, we about to get into it. We about to break it down, dissect it scene by scene like we do over here on this platform. As all of you know, for my day one listeners, Tupac Shakur means so much to me. Um, I started my podcast journey in 2021. So this would be my uh, third year of recapping his Born Day, just paying a tribute or just um, the last few years I've just done recaps on either music or um, just interviews he's done or, you know, just something I always pay a a tribute to him because he's my favorite artist of all time for so many reasons. And um, if you are one of my day one listeners, you know that how my journey started of even wanting to start a YouTube channel back in 2015, kind of 2013, when I think about it, um, of wanting to even do a Tupac channel. And I've explained what stopped me from doing it. So um, this man, his whole legacy, his whole career means the world to me. So um, I meant to recap this back in May and I thought about it and I was like, you know what, we're going to wait to his born day and do the recap the whole five part series. So we about to get into it. This will be a lengthy episode. So I hope you sit back and enjoy really quick. If you need to find me or get in touch with me, my Facebook is Alicia Shanice. My Instagram is Alicia Shanice Reviews. And my email is Alicia Shanice Reviews 13 at gmail.com. All of the links are in the description box. Um, You can inbox, DM, or email me. If you have any recap requests, I do recaps on documentaries, movies, TV shows, music albums, or if you have any music that you're working on or any brand um, that you got coming out or you're, you know, that you market or any businesses, please hit me up so I can show some love to what you got going on and spread love back and support you like you support me free of charge. I love whom loves me and I love to support who supports me and just show love back. Um, If you listen to the podcast on Spotify, can you please do your girl a favor and hit that follow button? It helps me out so much. And while you're on Spotify, check out my music playlist. I've made them all public and I've got every genre because your girl got some long range music ears. All you got to do is type in Shanice Loves. One of the playlists will populate. And then it takes you to the rest of them when you click on a picture profile. And I mean, I got every genre. I got some long range music ears. Okay. (laughs) So um, this episode will be lengthy. Um, I have a lot to say about it. So let's go ahead and get into the show. And let's talk some Tupac Shakur, the GOAT, the greatest of all time. (laughs) Let's get into the show, y'all. All I need is one mic. All I need is one mic. All I need, niggas. 
Hey y'all, it's your girl Shanice and I'm just coming in and check in with y'all to remind y'all to protect y'all energy as I always say. Life is at, you know, we have very different stresses at all time high. Why not go ahead and take you guys a nice vacation at a reasonable price with a trusted travel agent, you know? And that could be a solo trip, a trip with your boo thing, a family trip, a girl's trip, a guy's trip, whatever. Just let me let y'all know this right now. Visit tbookedit, T-B-B-O-O-K-E-D-I-T. Follow them on Instagram, on Instagram, or you can send them an email at tbbookedit at gmail.com. The world is a beautiful place. Let them go ahead and help you discover it. Go ahead and release those stress vibes and go ahead and enjoy your vacation. At TB Booked It, they got all the reasonable deals. And just let them know, your girl Shanice, she sent you there. Her name is Shanice, and she's the one. Before we even start with the recap, I want to first acknowledge that today is Tupac's born day, the GOAT. The motherfucking goat. We're going to start off with just saying happy birthday. Pac would have been 52 today. And he's been gone since, in the physical, since 1996. And his spirit is stronger than ever. And he is a legend. A legend. So we're going to do this right today. We're going to do this right today. Um, patience for anybody that doubts me. None at all. It's too hard out here. You know what I'm saying? If my people don't stand up for me, who is? I understand these white folks looking at me like that because they don't know me. They didn't hear keep your head up. That ain't no fluke. You know, keep your head up ain't no damn uh come up. I didn't do that for people to be smiling in my face and say, oh, he's cool. I did that from my heart. So that they do try to put a rape charge on me, my sisters can say he ain't about that. Now, if my sisters can't say that, you won't hear another keep your head up out my mouth. You understand me? All right, we're going to get into this breakdown, but we got to do it right. Let's start off with some music. Here we go. We're going to send this one out to the old school. All these motherfuckers in the Bronx and Brooklyn and Staten Island, Queens, and all the motherfuckers that made it down the foundation. You know what I'm saying? Buzz, still I'm buzz, and them black parties in the projects and all 
series amazing phenomenal iconic and I'm a documentary girl now I'm not gonna put on an Oscar award performance I was very skeptical at first when I heard about this docuseries coming out and when I heard Alan Hughes was the director But I must say the parallel between mother and son, the intertwine between mother and son with the resilience and trials and tribulations in both of their lives. Alan Hughes deserves flowers, my brother. You deserve flowers, my brother, because everyone knows the turmoil that took place in 1993 with the Hughes brothers and Pac. And just to put this masterpiece together was amazing. It was crazy to me when the documentary presented Afeni, then it goes to Tupac, and how it went from Tupac to Afeni, and how their lives kind of mimicked each other. A lot of this information in this docuseries I was already privy to, However, some of the information regarding Afeni's life was new to me. I always knew how special, you know, that lady was and what she represented in the Black Panther Party. But this documentary, it solidified it for me and it was filmed and it was also bone chilling with on how they would represent what she represented in the Black Panthers. And then it would go to Pac and his music and just the dynamic between mother and son. Me, myself, I didn't think anything could make me fall in love with this man's spirit even more, but I'll be damned. Episode one, I was glued, but you know, I had my little third eye on. I'm watching like, Okay, I'm watching you, Alan Hughes. What, what kind of little shots you about to throw in here? And I'm just watching. I'm like, damn, this is good. And I really enjoyed it, especially when they were just showing um, footage from the 60s and the early 70s of the Panthers movement and Afeni's trial and just the early stages of Pac. But when it got to episode two, by the end, I was crying. <laughs> and don't y'all call me dramatic. Tupac is one of my favorite artists. Over my podcast desk where I record at, I have a big picture of Pac over my microphone, as well as Malcolm X. Um, I'm not a big celebrity girl, like if I'm celebrity woman, like I don't fan out, but I have certain celebrities that I hold in just special regards, and Pac stands at number one. And as far as activists, Malcolm X, Brother Malcolm, Brother Shabazz does as well. And, you know, um, this was just done very, very well. 
If you're one of my day one listeners, you know how I feel about Pac. I do something special for his birthday every year on the podcast. You know, um, I told you guys before when I first started my podcast journey, when I wanted to start it, I really wanted to do a Pac, just based off Pac, I wanted to do a YouTube channel. At the time, I wasn't ready. I didn't have the confidence. I've already explained that. So I sat on it. And then you you guys know, I already told you how I got started. We talk about it every year. But um, it just didn't happen. And that was okay. Um, a lot of people have gone on to make um, authentic Tupac channels. Shout out to the Art of Dialogue. I even shout out um, Jay Mix because he was one of the first to ever do it. I don't include Vlad. Um, I know Vlad does what he does in every interview he does. You know, I've interviewed, you know, anybody related to Tupac, you know, I'm the interview who did all of this. I, I don't include him, but <laughs> as far as the most channels who's really just put in at work, as far as Pac, I definitely take my hats off to Art of Dialogue, um, J Mix. I used to be a Tupac form channel, Bomb First, um, you know, you got some real authentic channels. Even I shout out Carcino for life. You know, he used to tell all the Tupac stories and his stories were just, you know, entertaining and authentic. You know, those are true Pac fans and they know how to do the job right. So um, I seriously, I, I loved this documentary. I, I love the way it opened up and it showed the... And it showed and narrated when Tupac shot the two undercover cops. And I always thought that should be highlighted more. They always talk about, you know, him spitting at cameras and all that other bullshit. But they don't highlight certain things that I always thought that stood out to me that just made him who he was. Um... <clears throat> The first, it's a five-part docuseries. I hope you guys watched it. If you haven't, spoiler alert. Of course, I can't recap every single thing in a documentary. A lot of stuff was public knowledge, but the way how it was put together was well done. Um, but I will try to touch on the most important things, at least to me, or as much as I can. I'm going to play small clips, music here and there, and then we'll talk about each episode. The first episode was, and I'll also read the descriptions. If you haven't watched it yet, I suggest you please check it out. Um, it's on Hulu. And the first, it's a five-part docuseries. So episode one is Panther Power. The description reads, 17-year-old Tupac navigates school Poverty and family while deeming of using poetry and music to spread the message of his mother. Noted Black Panther, activist Afeni Shakur. Hunted by her past, Afeni fears how it will affect Tupac's future. <clears throat> when it went back and we seen a younger version of Pac, and then we seen the Panther Party. I was in awe. This episode talked about Afeni and Gloria moving from actually North Carolina to New York. And just the drastic change from the South, you know, going up North and how they were looked at. 
And I thought it very thought it was very interesting, which I never knew this. As big as a Pac fan I am, and I've, I've read up a lot on Afeni. She was amazing. Afeni was also accepted in performing arts school in Manhattan. And that was very telling as well because it just made you realize, like, damn, you know, um, they really mimicked each other, mother and son, and it was in his blood. You know, the talent, the strength, it was in his blood. I loved how they showed Pac's earlier style from 88 and him freestyling off the Rakim beat. That was so hard. And it just showed Pac, he was definitely a poet. He was a poet and he took his poetry and he made it into art. And one thing about his music is it's just so fulfilling. It's just you can really feel his music. You can feel the, the feeling in it, you know, and that's what makes it so special to this day. Um, nothing to me is outdated. You can listen to his music now and all the stuff he talked about still goes on in today. You know, you can listen to it. Keep your head up. You can listen to you know, a smile with him and Scarface, and it just, you know, it, it makes you go there. One thing I appreciated that they touched on was Pac as a drug dealer. And when I say that, he wasn't a good one. And to me, that speaks volumes on itself, on just the characteristic values. He didn't have the heart to sell drugs. From what he's seen at home, from what he's seen that this drug did to his mother and to the children who mothers were addicts and how it was the downfall of not only his mother, but his people, he didn't have it in him. He didn't have it in him. He was a terrible drug dealer and he wasn't ashamed of it. He would tell you that, you know, and that spoke volumes and it showed that he had a heart as much people want to say oh he did this he did that he did that it showed the heart in him and then it showed the earlier stages of when he met Layla Steinberg Layla Steinberg played a major role a pivotal role in his life and you know we talk about crack a lot on this platform and we acknowledge the destruction it was and how it was able to take down our community. And look at how strong Afeni was. And she was a black revolutionist. And look at what it did to her. You know, um, when you talk about the Panther Party and how strong it was, I think that was that last powerful, powerful, authentic movement we had in the inner community. We have stuff now. But now everything in this world as of 2023 is just so fake. You never know who's in it for the cause or just for the come up. And that goes for activists. It goes for preachers. It goes for, you know, these pastors. It just goes for, you know, these self-motivated speakers. Some of them are only in it for the dollar, the fame, the social media power up. You know, and back then it was just so real. It was, you felt it. They really cared about the community. The Panthers really stood for something. They always want to talk about how they were just so radical, but they were fighting for health care. They were fighting for shelters, for homes, for food, for education. And they don't talk about that enough. And back then that's when you could feel it and the shit was real and they cared about the children and the community. And now when you talk about that stuff, we need help in this world and it's just every Everything now is so fraudulent. You don't know who to trust. So 
I liked it how they were able to tie in how strong Afeni was, but make her human that we seen, okay, she did fall short. She did become, you know, addicted to this, 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 this demon drug that they brought in our community. And look what it did to her. She was only human. But look what this drug was so powerful able to do. And Pac seeing that as a young age of him growing up in a Black Panther home and then looking at what his mother became. And she was able to fight back from that. So that just showed the strength and resilience in her. And then him meeting Layla Steinberg. And she played that pivotal role because Pac had to move a lot. And every time he got comfortable, he was up moving again. And that wasn't by choice of his own. So no matter what struggles he went through with his mother, in his eyes, it showed us in his docuseries and that we've been seeing all this time with just interviews he's done, his mother was always his hero. He never put down his mother. He got the most enduring mother song at, you know, in hip hop, you could go to R&B. He has the most just genuine song that you want to play on mother's day for your own mother and you know with all of the demons that afeni um endured he doesn't put her down she always remained his hero and we see some of the former panthers who were was also affected by the addiction even when i know a lot of my listeners they love the show snowfall which is one of my favorite shows as well that's one of the reasons why i never went too hard on a character out and not to take it to a television show but i always kind of talked about a feeny when i or geronimo pratt or matulu or huey newton when i talked about alton because i'm like a lot of the black panthers they put their life on the lines and how they were infiltrated and set up a lot of them did fall short to alcohol drugs just from putting so much out there and that's one reason why i was a little soft on alton because i just knew how i had studied so much on the panther party and i know how much it took and a lot of them fell into addiction and this is Tupac's in his own words talking about his mother. He bigged his mother up. She was this man's hero. You know, she was very special. And we'll, we're going to talk about her a lot in this episode. I'm going to play a clip. Hold on, I'm coming. Sorry. Without a sergeant, without any backup, without any other soldiers, Nobody but a Vietnam vet in Vietnam, when he came home, how would he be? And that's me. I had to go through all that street, war, everything, the same drugs that everybody else get turned out on. You know, where I would have been stopped shorted, I made it pass. And here's where I am. But because I made it pass, I missed some lessons. You know what I'm saying? And you can see the lessons that I missed when you talk to me. You can see where, where I haven't had a father when you talk to me. You know what I'm saying? You can see where I spent a lot of my time in the streets when you talk to me. Because the words that I say are not words that come from a mother's mouth or a father's mouth. It's words that comes from a pimp's mouth or a prostitute or a hustler or a drug dealer. You know what I'm saying? But to me, these were my role models. How much of that, though, in terms of growing up without a father, sometimes not being with your mother, do you, do you lament on and look back and say, damn, I, I missed something big? Everything. I, um, I know for a fact that had I had a father, had I had someone, and I hate saying this because white people love hearing black people talk about this, but had I had a father, had I had some of these opportunities, I'd have been able to help my mother more. She wouldn't have went the road she went. I could have been a better son. You know what I'm saying? She wouldn't have went that road. It was the absence of my father 
You know what I'm saying? I'm dealing with him being daddy not being there. My mother's dealing with him being my man not being there. You know, so many problems in our community that that um, affect everything. So by me not having that, I ain't never want to hear nothing about no kind of relationships between a black man and a black woman. I knew they didn't work. Because as far as I knew, my daddy was the coolest dude out there. And my mama was a panther. So if they didn't work, it don't work. That's how I felt. You know what I'm saying? And going out there, you know what I'm saying? It's like watching my mother just go through changes and everything. It's like my mother's my partner. She's a soldier. You know, she's a soldier like I'm a soldier. You know, and I, I watched the, the peak the game that she went through. If I, I would have went the same way my mother went had not she did her route and showed me which where it went wrong with her. My mother always told me, don't you ever, ever just um, volunteer yourself to our people because they'll use you. That's what they do. You know what I'm saying? She never. She also told me to uh, follow my heart and for me to be the leader. But it's interesting to see just the change in your face, your reaction, your, your, your thought process. That's all I ever wanted to do. Ask my mama. I wanted to go to college. I went to school all the way and was ready to go to college. The only thing that stopped me was money. Time we, all of my, all the kids in my school was writing applications to go to college. I didn't have no lights and no electricity, and that ain't my mom's fault. You know what I'm saying? So when I think back to that, I'm not thugging for me. I'm thugging for my family. I pay all the bills. You know what I'm saying? I, I feed my whole family, wrong or right, I do, and I can't stop. You know what I'm saying? And if thugging is gonna make me a million bucks, because it just got me platinum, then that's what I got to do constantly. And if it makes me feel, because right now. I feel satisfied. I don't feel like I've ever embarrassed myself or my people, you know, and nothing I've done. And yet, no, I got the whole world fear me. You know what I'm saying? At 23, weighing 160 pounds, you know what I'm saying? And I ain't even started. I haven't even rolled my plan out yet. And they scared. I got the vice president to know who I am. <laughs> All right. That was Pac in his own words. Um, Going back to his first album, Tupacalypse Now, and they, they show different footages in this episode. To me, that was definitely Pac in his revolutionary mind state. I think he got away from it. But he was still very young. He was still very, very young. He was in the game about five years before, you know, he lost his life. And I always say whatever uh, Pac was going through, it reflected in his music. Like, he had so much passion in his music. Whatever he was going through, you could feel it in that time when you know in Tupacalypse now he was definitely definitely in that revolutionary bag when you got into that thug life bag and the thug life album I want to say to me just from being a big Pac fan I know Digital Underground that was one of his happiest moments but I think when he was doing that early 1993 in that thug life era I want to say that was to me one of his happiest moments where he was really becoming himself and then of course with me against the world he was going through the trial the shooting and you know everything with that and then when all eyes on me came out he was just you know he was death row he was angry he it was you, you it just his mind state it reflected in his albums and his music at the time and affinis and Pac spirit was all in this docuseries how we heard her and her words keeping it all the way real honest about her addiction her trials how it affected pox pox upbringing you know moving around so much from harlem to um you know around in new york then to baltimore then to oakland um just from her life choices and then 
dealing with the feds with the the panther party and you know it was just it just she went through so much and i just liked it it was in her own words they used prior interviews and prior speakings with her just telling it like it was she didn't sugarcoat it she wanted the story told like she wanted the story told and when they showed the footage and real pictures of the early movement of the Panthers, I almost started crying because this is when our people just had enough. They had killed Malcolm X. And at this point, Black people was tired. They was tired of marching. <laughs> they, they was tired. They was pissed off. And the Panthers were militant. They um, always say they was too radical and they don't highlight the amazing things they fought for. They fought for our community. And after the party was destroyed purposely by the government, that's when the crack came in. And we see former Panther parties in the docuseries talking about, you know, the strength, the fight it took out of them. And we see pictures of Celine Dean Shakur. He was a patriot. He owned land in Ghana. You know, he helped get everything started. And his son, Lamumba Shakur, who um, Afeni was one of his wives, it showed pictures of Asada and Afeni herself. She was a, a woman and she was a lieutenant. And this was in the 60s, you know. And uh, they always talk about how armed and dangerous they were, but we had people who were in the Panther Party who said, when you joined the Panthers, you went in thinking you was about to get a gun and they armed you all right, but they armed you not with guns, they armed you with books because knowledge brings political power. They show footage of Bobby Seale speaking and he was powerful. That made Afeni want to join. It had um, Pac's first manager, Atron Gregory. We see... He was in there and he was like, you know, Pac was getting restless. He was getting tired. And he was like, if he didn't get a deal soon, he was going to start up, you know, the new African Panthers and be a chairman of that. You know, Pac was getting ready to start the Panther movement back up if he didn't get signed. And he was ready. He was he was not about to wait around, wait around for no deal. And that's actually when they linked him up with Digital Underground as a roadie. And that was some of Pac happier days we see him on a set of juice after that the interscope the interscope deal came and like Pac said he, he said it that okay so digital underground that's when it was just getting started he didn't get that stardom yet but it was coming so when he filmed juice they seen the talent and in Pac's words i never had a record until i made a record and then we see the, the footage and the pictures of the beating he took from the Oakland police in 1991 just for jaywalking. And, you know, when he told him his name, they're like, what type of name is Shakur? That's not your real name. What's your real name? And they beat the shit out of him. And at this time, when he was going through all of that, his mother was in rehab in Connecticut. Right, 
put yourself in that mind state so you can be there. If I got the dub to be at war, I'm going to be dumb. If you got to be a, a Muslim to be at war, be a Muslim, but be that motherfucking war, and that's no fucking shoulder to shoulder start doing something. We can't do with so much marching, y'all. And I know y'all think it's right, but we can't. They not think we've been marching for damn near 100 years. <laughs> Young Tupac Shakur, episode two, Changes. reads and this is called changes let me pull the description up so we can talk about it tupac bursts onto the scene in both music and the movies but trying to be a mainstream star and militant activist comes at a cost Afeni's activism lands her and her panther comrades in a political show trial that could end with all of them in prison now, around this time, we see all types of changing changes reflecting around uh, Pac's life. We see he just filmed Juice. He's getting on the scene, but he was also just reminded of where he came from by getting the beating from the Oakland police. And at this time, his mom was getting ready to get out of rehab. Um, and, you know, the Interscope deal was just coming along. 
Brenda's Got a Baby is out, as well as Juice. And Juice basically took him on, you know, it opened up a whole nother level and opened up doors where, you know, it was solidified. Pac is a star. And when this episode came on, I really liked on how Aunt Glow spoke her mind about Perk, uh, about um, Pac's, his whole personality. And one thing about Aunt Glow, she's been doing interviews for years, and I really just love her spirit. I love how charismatic she is. You can definitely see uh, where Tupac kind of got some of Glow's personality as well. She's so funny. She's so real. And... We see um, an appearance from Snoop. He's in here. Um, and we see the early controversy of what they called gangster rap and how the media was portraying him, using his lyrics against him. He was getting sued from some uh, young, young little white dude. He was shot somebody and blamed it on like the rap lyrics. And they was um, they showed a young Pac on a show. He was like on an interview show and it was a talk show and he was defending his lyrics on actually one of my favorite songs. He was talking about the lyrics from uh, the album Tupacalypse Now on A Soldier Story. That is one of my favorite Pac songs. And they showed footage from, you know, Pac um, being that revolutionary spirit. And that's one of my favorite uh, things I love to watch. And I'm going to play a clip of it because they showed it in the docuseries. And actually, I've already had that saved in my phone when um he went there and <laughs> when he was there a lady told him to watch his mouth you know watch his language and he was like you know oh, fuck that you know i'm gonna keep it real i'm gonna you know speak on uh how it is and here uh is the clip i'll play a quick minute of it and then we'll get back to the recap of the docuseries but this was in there about freedom fighters and strugglers well you gotta understand that when, when it was in to have a gun and to be in the street my mother gave that up to be in the house and wash the dishes you know what i'm saying and feed us and put the thoughts in our brains you know what i'm saying because we didn't get any of that history from all of those soldiers that we lost we got none of that they all went to jail if you can remember they all went to penitentiaries we didn't see none of that knowledge if it was not for my mother who stayed home and didn't go out and do all that and I wouldn't have had shit, excuse my language, but I wouldn't have been nowhere. So what I want to do, hopefully, is I want to be, I'm, I, I, not I want to be, I am, Tupac Shakur. I have to be a reminder that we can't, it's not, we can't chill out. No, we, it ain't time to cool out and banquets and all that. It's still on. It's on just like it was on when you was young. And you want to say, fuck that, just like you said, fuck that back then. So I come now that I'm 20 years old, ready to start some shit up. Everybody telling me to calm down. You know, don't curse, go to school, go to college. Well, fuck that. You know, we had colleges for a while now. You know what I'm saying? And it's still brothers out there, and niggas is still trapped. You know what I'm saying? And, and it, it gets me hurt. Yeah. <laughs> because, because I understand that it's not going to stop. You know what I'm saying? It's not going to stop until we stop it. And it's not just white men that's doing this to Brenda. And it's not just white men that's keeping us trapped. It's black. You know what I'm saying? We have to find a new African in everybody. And all of us. Because if we keep running around looking for black and who got the most colors on and who got the baddest dashiki on, we still gonna get, excuse my language, fucked. Because that, it irks me that, that my mother right now is going through, um, you know, she has to get clean. This is somebody who I watched travel the whole country. You know what I'm saying? During a time when women were scared to speak up. 
or the Black Panther. She spoke in Harvard, Yale, everywhere. And now I see my mother as, as what's really going on. You know what I'm saying? And I don't see no big parades around my mother now. And she done got a dozen fucking awards. And I don't see nobody there. You, know, you understand what I'm saying? So about all this, I take that lightly. I take all this lightly. What I want you to take seriously is what we have to do for the youth. Because we're coming up in a totally different world. This is not the same world that you had. This is not the 60s. This is not that. We grew up, we grew up, BC, before crack. That should say it all. You understand what I'm saying? We did not grow up without parents. You had parents that told you this and that, and this is what went on back in the day. Now you don't have that. You have young kids, 14, coming home, their mama's smoking out or doing it to their best friend to get the product. You understand what I'm saying? So that means that it's not just about you taking care of your child. It's about you taking care of these children. Because that's what's out here. It's a game You understand what I'm saying? And it hurts. It hurts. And I got to throw you. It bothers me. That hurts. It bothers me that I have to sidestep my youth to, to stand up and do some shit that somebody else is supposed to be doing. You understand what I'm saying? There's too many men out here for me to be doing. Because it ain't my turn yet. I'm supposed to be following behind him getting the knowledge. I don't even got a chance to get the fucking knowledge. I can't go to college. There's too much problems out here. I don't got the money. Nobody can. You understand what I'm saying? So what I'm saying is it's not as easy as we mapping it out to be. And we got to stay real. We got to stay real. Before we can be New African, we got to be black first. You understand? We got to. We got to be black first. And then when a lady told Pac to calm down, they always say when you told Pac to calm down, that would set him off. He would turn up. <laughs> he, would, he would turn down. He would turn up. And I know um, one person he would listen to when they told him to calm down, and that was Tyson. He revered Tyson. You know, he looked up to him like something horribly. That's his own words. And he said when Tyson told him to calm down, he said, you know, it's time for me to calm down. But of course, he didn't calm down. You know, Pac was still young and still finding his own way. But that was him in his early 20s. So um, we see early on in the infestation with the Panther Party, um, all of the deaths that took place with Huey P. Newton, with Bobby Hutton. And by the time they had expanded, um, they were making changes in the community. And Geronimo Pratt was Tupac's godfather, and that just speaks volumes of itself. Um, uh, Geronimo Pratt actually trained the Panther Party, you know, military style. And when they seen how powerful they were getting and how militant they were, um, here comes Hoover with his bullshit and a COINTELPRO. And all of the Pampers, the Panthers were getting raided at this time. And the shootouts... Um, that was engineered by the FBI and the murder of Fred Hampton. You know, it talked a lot about that. And then after that, we got the 21 Panther arrest and Afeni represented herself. And at first, nobody wanted her to do it, saying, you know, she could get too emotional. And when they said that, I'm like, damn, who that sound like? That sound like Pac. You know, that's that intertwine, that mother and son. You know, people, you know, expect that, Um, you know, they kind of, uh, say it's too emotional, but it's actually passion, you know, and, you know, what did she do? She went in there and Mama Feeney, she handled it. She handled it and got that, got them, got them acquitted. She handled it and she didn't have no law degree. 
And I love on how it would be showing the movement and how she handled it. And then it would go into Pac's life and just showed on how their lives mimic each other, mimic each other and intertwine. It showed us on how all the ladies, you know, love Pac. And then when he would smash one of the celebrity girls, he would call Feeney. And I remember watching um, an old interview with, um, what's his name? Is it Papa G from uh, Death Row? He was like, um, he handled a lot of the businesses, the styling and everything. And he was like, um, Pac had messed with, um, what is her name? I can't think of her name. OJ's daughter the oldest is it arnell and then um he, he ended up meeting arnell when he was going down to snoop's murder trial and that's when the oj trial was going on and then he ended up you know messing with her arnell was very beautiful back then as well and you could uh arnell had a different type of swag about her you would see it when she was leaving the oj trial and after Pac uh and her messed around he had asked Papa G, could he use his phone? And he's like, yeah, what you gonna use my phone for? He didn't know who he was about to call and Pop called a Feeney and was like, Ma, guess who I just fucked? <laughs> OJ Porter. And then they had in the documentary where Globe was like, a Feeney wouldn't be trying to hear all that, but he call us and tell us who he messed with. And, you know, all the ladies love Pac. You know, you can listen to uh, Rosie Perez telling stories, um, uh, Adina Howard, left eye um you know he was just a ladies man salt from salt and pepper um but he was a ladies man and he he just he was just so fly so you know he just had that whole style about himself um it showed the marin city incident in this uh in the second part where the kid was killed um and they said when that child was murdered at that marin city event it really changed him forever because they always say how much pop loved the children and if you go listen to his phone conversation with monster cody it speaks volumes and proves that I appreciated how they let us know that he would communicate with Matula Shakur and, you know, he would talk to him when he was creating the whole thug life movement and he would go to Matula to make sure that he was structuring it right and that, you know, he was doing the whole thug life correctly. A lot of that changed when the incident at Quad Studios happened. And not only that, I would say when the incident happened with the the girl he met at nails with the whole rape trial that all of that just came out of nowhere it was all back to back then a quiet studio shooting it all everything just happened so fast and that was a very drastic change and i think that's what got Pac off of that when he was going hard for the thug life and i think when he was doing that before all that happened he was at his happiest he was really doing what he wanted to do at that point where he was you know his with his rap career he was he had made a deal with John Singleton that he was going to be the leading role in him. He was really doing his thing. And we also seen Alan Hughes. He took the hot seat and explained where the issue started with him and Pac and how close they were when they first started. Um, and how you he, how he they did his first video and how tension was starting then by the time they got to the third video and by the time they got the recording minutes on how it escalated because Pac had a problem with the Sharif role which we have talked about before um that was already knowledge that a lot of people knew and everyone a lot of people who was very close to Tupac they always say <laughs> 
to have a relationship with Pac was a special thing within itself because if he loved you, he loved you. And if he hated you and couldn't stand you at that moment, he wasn't fucking with you, you know? And I liked it on how they showed the angles of when they shot the Brenda's Got a Baby and they took the camera around. That was so dope. And I thought episode two was done amazing. Like I said, episode one, I was hanging in there. By the time they got to episode two, I was in tears okay i was in tears and that brings us to episode three so many tears read the description for so many tears by the time it hit this episode i had to go get some tissue tupac's legal troubles escalate with multiple arrests charged with sexual assault in new york afini the voice of the new york panther 21 defending herself at trial and shocking the world when the verdict comes tupac's trial comes to an end all right, so we go back at the beginning of this episode to the Atlanta shooting. And like I said, I really appreciated on how they brought this up and went into detail because this itself, <laughs> this itself set Tupac aside from all of the rappers that they glamorized. This, this set him aside right there. And um, we seen after the, the verdict, Pac strutting out of court with the George Jefferson walk. And that brought attention. That brought attention. Not only that, his last name was Shakur. We see an appearance from Mike Tyson in this docuseries, which I really appreciated because Pac loved Tyson. And he was talking about how Pac was a warrior. Um, believe it or not, everybody tried to talk to Pac. They tried to tell him to calm down, but he was his own man. And when you told him to calm down, he did the opposite. He turned up to 100. But I will say, it seemed like he listened to, to, to Tyson as much as Pac would listen. <laughs> we see all the, the footage with him turning up. You know, it was multiple arrests. So he studied leaving out of court. He's going to court for different people, suing them. He's going to court for fighting the Hughes brothers. He's going to court for uh, the Atlanta shooting. So he was just all over. He was getting in multiple fights and he's leaving out of the court. You know, the, the, the press is all over him. He's spitting at the press and we just see footage of him turning up and he was getting 
the way how Pac was getting sued, it, it's kind of funny to me when you hear all these people who worship money now and the new influencers and they're like, but Pac died broke. I don't think people understand how much Tupac supported his whole family, his whole team. The outlaws was like his children for number one. And he had nieces and nephews. He took care of everybody and the lawsuits itself. I don't think anyone knows how much this man was getting sued. Now, it showed um, him filming in Above the Rim. And we see um, pictures of him and Haitian Jack. Um, if you guys haven't seen it, but if Haitian Jack, um, his first appearance doing an interview was with Gully TV. Shout out to Jamil. Uh, go check that out. Um, and he was also on another documentary about a few years ago, and that's on Hulu as well. And it just talks about how, like, when he played the role of Birdie, he was basically playing Haitian Jack's life. I could go there with Haitian Jack and go on and on and on, but a lot of people know that story already. Um, I kind of want to keep talking about him and Afeni and just how revolutionary he was. But um, Haitian Jack played a major role in his life, especially in 93, 94. Um, we see Man Man in there. And Man Man was like, you know, he was a street dude. He was walking around with money. And Pac told him, like, you know, you can come get legal money come on come on the road with me change your life around and he like he he said when he was in the street he didn't go to court and get arrested as much as he did as when he hung with Pac so Pac was getting arrested left the right and then after that we see the trial going on and we see the quad studio shooting um I love the part and we we've talked so much about you know the trial with the girl um the shooting with Quad Studios. I read the Dexter Isaac book. We can go there. That will take it on a whole nother life of its own. The whole shooting with Pac, the whole trial, that was a domino effect. That whole thing set up the motion to where it just led to so much where if that wouldn't happen, this wouldn't happen. He wouldn't have ended up in Clinton. He would have never signed with Suge. It's just that was the domino effect. It was like the butterfly butterfly effect when he went into Nails that night and met that girl and she showed up at the, you know, it it, it was just a butterfly effect. It is what it is. It, it, it just, it changed everything for him. And then the shooting. One thing that I really like that they showed in this docuseries was that Pac didn't know who his father was. He, I mean, of course, Matula Shakur, that's the only father he ever knew, but Matula got locked up at a very young age of his. And, you know, he was always told that it was somebody named Legs who was his father, and he was a street dude, or um, Billy Garland. Now, Billy Garland was in his docuseries, and he just did a, a, a new interview talking about more in-depth about him and Afeni's relationship, him and Pac, and about how he was portrayed in his docuseries. So if you guys want to hear that, that's on the Art of Dialogues channel. Check that out, especially if you're a Pac fan. Um, Legs, which was very interesting to me, um, he ran with Nikki Burns. I didn't know that. So that shocked me. I'm like, damn. I knew he said that he always thought this one dude was his father, but I didn't know he ran with Nikki Barnes. So he was in and out of jail. And Billy Garland, he was a Black Panther in the New Jersey party. And we also see the COINTELPRO infiltration in this episode. And the two perpetrators who was a part of, you know, their witnesses and who 
basically put the trial in motion where they used their testimonies, they were a part of a police unit called the boss unit. And it was, they, you know what I'm saying? It was undercover cops. They were snitches, as Unglow said. And uh, they showed Gene Roberts, who was the, the bodyguard of Brother Malcolm. You know, he was the, the one who gave him CPR after he got shot. This shit was, when I seen that, I had to pause the TV. It was so bone chilling to me. And then it, we had to do Yahweh Saddam. He was another infiltrator and Afeni ate his ass up on trial. She she handled him. He thought he was about to get her all wild up and get her out of control. She handled him. She like, when you was putting all this in motion, was you an undercover cop or was you as a Black Panther? When you was telling the Black Panthers to do this, when you was seducing women, was you an FBI agent, a cop, or was you a Black Panther? I mean, Afeni handed it to his ass and she did it calmly. And it just shows you how far they went to infiltrate not only the NOI, but the Black Panther Party. And then Gene Roberts, he was getting around, huh? He went from being, you know, Malcolm X bodyguard. Now you infiltrating the Black Panther Party. Damn, did you have any love for your people? So we see Afeni. She put so much into the movement. But as a woman, you know, Afeni was a woman as a black woman and i don't think people realize how much black women endure and i'm talking about a strong black woman she put so much into this movement that it took so much out of her and after that all we heard was not guilty and I love the way they showed on how her trial and they showed not guilty to, you know, this, the late 60, 1969, then it goes to 1994 and it's the opposite in the same court in New York. And then it's like, damn, but guilty for Tupac. That shit was so bone chilling and the way it was directed was so just, it was just chilling. And after that, trial and the verdict came out and he was found guilty it brought a depression over him you know he was suicidal um he was you know had just been shot he was paranoid he was hiding out at jasmine guy's house and i don't think nobody would have thought he would have been at jasmine guy's house nobody you know who would have thought that and depression was at an all-time high and after that he went and turned himself in
Episode four, Ambitions of a Rider. That shit still hit hard. The description reads, after attending, no, I'm sorry, Tupac spends nearly a year at the notorious Clinton Correctional Facility in Donamora. He leaves hardened by experience and immediately joins the equally notorious Death Row Records. 1995 correctional facility as much shit as they talk about Pac having a rough time incarcerated he was protected and i ain't talking about no new york rappers who talking about they put their team on on a watch over them and look out for them i know fat joe like to say that but i'm talking about he was protected from the lineage from the panthers he was. Matula had that shit on lock. Watch over, watch over my boy. Uh, like I said, Geronimo Pratt was <laughs> his godfather. Pac was protected. He joins that fro, <laughs> Suge Knight, aka Simon. Free Suge Knight, by the way. Uh, you won't hear me saying nothing bad about Suge. No, Suge was not perfect. But Suge did not set up Tupac. That bothers me when I hear that. Um, here comes Suge, though. Here comes David Kennery. Here comes Death Row Records. You know, uh, not saying that he didn't go through anything in uh, incarceration, but he was protected, if you know what I mean. He was protected. Yeah, the guards talk shit. He is shot two undercover cops, you know, but. While he was in there, he was definitely protected. And his team was working on getting him out. I remember Jay Prince even saying in his book that he was trying to get him out to sign, you know, and join their team at um his label. But Suge beat him to it. Then it was all about death row. Pac got out, his work, his work ethic was impeccable. That short time he was out, look at how much music he recorded. He was only on death row for what, nine months? <laughs> look at how much he got done. Look at what he recorded. Look how many music videos he put out. Look at 
the albums that they're still releasing to this day. Look at the movies, Gridlock. You know, um, we got a surprise appearance from Dr. Dre in here, which I was really surprised to see Dr. Dre in here. And he just talked about his work ethic, but, you know, he was saying, like, at that time, you know, it was nothing against Pac, but, um, you know, he had just had enough, you know, he was already ready to leave. Um, and, you know, it was just really gang affiliated. Actually, in his documentary, I bust out laughing because when uh, Gloria said when they was at 662 in Vegas at the club, he was performing and, you know, saying they show real footage of her. She was dancing, getting down and, you know, pockets and security to her, like, tell her to calm down, tell her to stop dancing because she was throwing up gang signs. But she like, I didn't know I was throwing up gang signs. I was just dancing, having a good time, you know. But she said that's when they realized, you know, it was real. Um, but it was very gang affiliated with Death Row. You know, you had the Crips and the Bloods all in one studio. Um, I, I won't say nothing bad about, about Simon, about Suge. Um, Suge got him out and Suge was the big brother he never had. You know, um, a lot of that time was a lot of turmoil going on. We know the things with, uh, that was going on with Pac and Big. Um, Suge and Puffy, they had their own beef escal- uh, that had escalated from a shooting that took place in Atlanta where um, Big Jake was killed, which was um, one of Suge's uh, main homeboys. It was just a lot, you know, and I'm not going to get off into the beef shit. It was just, you know, at that time, Pac was angry. He was tired. He was overworked. He he had a lot on his plate, a lot on his plate. And I don't think um, any normal person could have had all of what he carried on his shoulders and still maintained. They showed the relationship with him and Kanata. And then, you know, just everything that was going on, how, you know, he was happy. He, had, you know, got his mama housed um, and showed how, how you know, they, they were you know, living a life that they never thought they could live with him at that time. It showed, you know, footage from him being at the Tyson fight, the um, fight after the Tyson fight, how amped up he was, you know, Tyson came out, you know, knocked the dude out in, in you know, the first round and he came out the Pac Sung, he was all energetic, he wanted to fight somebody, he was on 10 and it showed the Orlando fight and we got the scenes from the shooting and the hospital scene, which was really sad of all the fans out there and, you know, how many times he had been shot, just everything, all the emotions people felt around there, just very heartbreaking. Um, it showed um, Afeni and it kind of went back to how everything they went through back in the earlier days with the FBI following Tupac around when he was young, you know, they were looking for Matulu and just, you know, due to, to who his parents were and how they had to move around. I loved in the interview on, um, it showed footage from when he was incarcerated in Clinton and the interview was like, he called Geronimo Pratt a murderer and said all this and Pac checked his ass. Like, hold on, that's my godfather. And if you don't have proof, if you wasn't a witness to that murder, you're not going to sit here and disrespect him. I ain't disrespecting your family. And that just showed on how real he was. Because most rappers, they bow down to, let's just say interviewers. They bow down. Pac didn't do that. He stayed himself at all times. But that time he was 
and Clinton. And then when he got out and was on death row for those nine months, a lot happened. But in my heart of heart, being a big Pac fan, I am no Shook didn't do everything right. But in my heart, I believe Shook, Shook loved Pac like a younger brother, respected him as a man, vice versa. You know, um, Snoop talked about their fallout that they had a few days before his untimely demise, you know, when he went on to Angie Martinez and, you know, said he was cool with Biggie. It was just a lot that happened in that short time. And he died at 25. So imagine what he would have became and what he would have been in 2023, you know. Um, <clears throat> then we get to the last episode of this brilliant docuseries and the legacy of Miss Afeni. When I was young, me and my mama had beef, 17 years old, kicked out on the streets. Though back at the time, I never thought I'd see a face. Ain't a woman alive that could take my mama's place. Spending from school, scared to go home. I was a fool with the big boys breaking all the rules. Shed tears with my baby sister. Over the years, we was bored and other little kids. And even though we had different daddies, the same drama when things went wrong, we blamed. Mama, I reminisce on the stress I caused. It was hell, hugging on my mama from a jail cell. And who you think in elementary? Hey, I see the penitentiary one day. Running from the police, that's right. Mama catch me, put a whoop into my backside. And even as a crack fiend, mama, you always was a black queen, mama. I finally understand for a woman, it ain't easy trying to raise a man. Always was committed. A poor single mother on welfare. Tell me how you did. There's no way I can pay you back. But the plan is to show you that I understand. You all appreciate it. That song always make me want to cry. <laughs> um, until the end of time. After attending a Tyson fight in Las Vegas, Tupac is shot and killed. Afeni is paralyzed with grief after the death of her son, but she still manages to secure Tupac's legacy, ensuring that their story is told and the struggle continues. I don't think anyone knows how strong you had to be to be Miss Afeni after Pac's life was taken away. Um, all the times that the stress that he was going through from all of the lawsuits, all that shit was transferred to Afeni. Afeni got sued so much and she went through so much stress. I remember when I had definitely was thinking about like, let me just go ahead and just make my Pac channel. Uh, Tupac's name got so oversaturated in a YouTube world around the time that the All Eyes on Me movie came out and Afeni was so stressed out from not only the movie it was just so much that happened around that time and you know she was able to secure his legacy she was able to get all the rights back um she was able to to do all of that but it took a lot out of her you know she was being sued left 
true right. And it was sad. It, it was very, very sad. But she handled it. She was a strong woman. And she handled it. It was sad. I mean, I've seen so many. And then I was about to say something that changed my mind. Because I like to celebrate Pac. I don't like to bring up all the negative stuff. But I was just thinking about all the stuff that I've heard over the years. Where just, you'd be surprised. It would be people who was like on um, albums back in 1991. Who's trying to sue this lady. Like she had lawsuits left to right. And this is a Feeney in her own words, just saying things that she missed about Pac. I wish that my son was here and that he could go and uh, lie down in my bed and come out of my room and say, Mom, what'd you cook? I miss his being. He was my son and I miss him as my, my baby, my boy who I loved, respected, appreciated. He was my friend. He called me up in the middle of the night after he done had a hot date and tell me who he had a hot date with, what he did, and how he said it. And I said, you know, why do you think I miss that? I miss interacting with that human being, that perfect being, that excited, lovable, really magnificent spirit, that, mag you know, I miss him. I miss him. I can't pick on one thing. I miss him. I miss my son every day a little bit more. But I thank God every day for every second that he was here and i don't i feel i don't want to ask for too much to ask for more than i was supposed to have i thank god for every day of those 25 years she has such a beautiful spirit, rest in peace, just a very strong woman and she raised a very strong and resilient son. Um just on how she fought, she fought to to the end and you know she ended up getting her little house on the lake. It was in Georgia. She ended up it just showed on how she was able to open up a a place for children to go like a museum and that was in Stone Mountain, Georgia. She was just able to do so much and carry that legacy on and it was just so sad i also enjoyed seeing ray love in this documentary um and you know it just came at the perfect time the perfect year and he was just inducted um so i definitely want to mention that i just think this 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 whole docuseries was done with perfection i have nothing bad to say about it and Trust me, I have no shame because I was watching. I just knew I was about to talk some shit about Alan Hughes. And Alan Hughes did um, an amazing job. And we got to see family members. We got to see people in there who were close to Tupac. I didn't see anybody in there who I felt like, oh, what the hell are they doing in here? I was surprised to see Dre, but I think it was done well, and I was actually happy to see Dre in there. I wish they could have did something where we were able to hear something about Suge, but I think this came at the perfect time when uh, Pac was just inducted to the Hollywood Walk of Fame. You know, his legacy continues to grow, and I was so happy to see his sister, Anne Mopreen, show up, and I do want to play a clip of that. 
as well because you don't you know you see other celebrities and you see like their family coming out of everywhere but you never see um his sister so i said um you never see his sister sexual sexual is so low-key um i know her and ray love her clothes she is just so low-key you don't hear nothing from her or her children and when she showed up and was able to do the speech that touched my heart and here it goes honor stand here today representing the shakur family Tupac Shakur's sister, Sakiwa Set Shakur, got emotional during his Hollywood Walk of Fame ceremony. Before the rap legend got his star on June 7th, his sister was given a recognition and resolution on behalf of the city of Los Angeles. She then took to the podium to give a moving speech where she talked about how her big brother always knew he was bound for greatness. As the proud sister of Tupac Amaru Shakur, the daughter of Matulu and Fanny Shakur. Yeah. It fills my heart with honor to stand here today representing the Shakur family. Yeah. Tupac knew deep down that he was always meant for something great. And as his little sister, I had the privilege to watch that greatness unfold. She then got choked. She did an amazing job. And then it just so, felt so good to see Mopreen there and he was able to receive his star um this was just amazing and just shouts out to alan hughes um tupac is definitely a legend you know his memory lives on his work lives on his speeches lives on like he just lives on and he's that guy and you know, he came from a very, 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 very strong woman. And it just spoke volumes on how her strength went on to her son. So I do hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed my recap. And of course, we got we can't leave without doing a sleeper. You know, um, we got to do it right. You know, I always do my sleepers in my Joe Button style. Shout out to the, the pod father, Joey. But um. I want to play one of my favorite songs by Pac, which all of them are, but this one always touches me, and I just think it's only right to end it off of this song. Jack Mack staring at the walls of silence inside this cage where they captured all my ways and 